0: on local now channel 525 we shall pay any price bear any burden meet any hardship support any friend oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty
1: american prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and
0: security all over the world an obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro
1: America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan height filling in here today for Mr. Ed Martin, who is out on assignment. I am glad to be with you, glad to be covering the news, covering some commentary, going to tell you a little bit about what you need to know, wrap us up here. And uh, Ed did record a couple of great interviews we've got uh, coming down the pike here in the next couple of segments that I hope you will stick around for. You'll find them enlightening, edifying, educational. I am sure of it. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing them myself, and uh, we will uh, get all of that going underway here but before we get too far, let me go ahead and remind you, go to ProAmericaReport.com. That's ProAmericaReport.com or Phyllis com. There you will be able to do a couple of key things. You'll be able to find not only all of the podcasts, the past standalone segments, uh, all the audio for this show, but also all of the links and resources. If an author has a book, if uh, a columnist or a writer has an article, uh, any resource that we have discussed or connections, uh, social media, the Twitter accounts, websites, to some of our good guests and uh, topics that we've covered, they will be over there in the notes uh, on each of those segments. So go find them there. Uh, And also, and probably most importantly, is at ProAmericaReport.com, you can sign up for our email list and make sure that we can stay in touch with you and notify you of important things. Before we get into those, we have to do the wink. The what you need to know is Robert F. Kennedy proves we the people must get back in charge of our elections. Not we the powerful, but we the people. And uh, we've got to follow George Washington's advice, actually a lot of our founding fathers, and avoid some of the extreme partisanship uh, that we found, or I should say uh, I should say loyalty to partisanship before our Constitution, before our American uh, identity, before our status as citizens. Uh, so let's, let's dive into that. I've actually uh, kind of this, the base of it here. We've been seeing this for a while. We've seen this trend, uh, independence from the quote-unquote party line. Uh, I think that this really kind of came up in the era of Trump. Uh, is one of the reasons he was so wildly popular is because his appearance and quite a bit of his uh, actions as president, to be completely honest, uh, were very independent of the traditional structure, the powers that be, the establishment, deep state, the kingmakers. Uh, you call them what you will. Uh, in fact, this is a good opportunity. Let me go ahead and, and insert uh, real quick, if you haven't read um, a very famous book by our uh, old boss, Ed and I, I know he talks quite a bit about his day job at Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, where I work as well. But our boss, uh, Phyllis Schlafly, who passed away in 2016, wrote an incredible book uh, and then updated it 50 years later, 1964. She wrote a choice, not an echo in support of Barry Goldwater's bid for president. Uh, And really she went through each and every Republican uh, nomination process, every presidential election year of the several, uh, several prior cycles and explained how what she called, Called The kingmakers, these powerful elites that be you know, behind the, the curtain, they made sure every time a presidential election rolled around that they were able to select rather than we, the people electing free and fair and out in the open. They were able to select their choice to move forward their heir apparent to just um become the king makers that they wanted to be and usher in who was next decide these things behind the scene uh, the scenes rather than have it play out in the public eye transparently with uh, good and honest votes and elections uh, this group of people has continued to be active and, and it really is what led Phyllis uh, to update her book uh, in 2014 to bring it forward a choice not an echo the 50th anniversary edition which was updated and expanded and then she went and did the same thing every election since 1964 it's just it really is An incredible history to look at. So, when you read that book, you start to realize just how disruptive Donald Trump was to this process, to this group of powerful people who liked to select their own heirs to the throne of the White House, as they would like to think of it. Uh, When you start to realize how disruptive Donald Trump was, you get a really interesting picture into just what. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. means for the 2024 race. And, and make no mistake, I'm, I'm not endorsing RFK Jr. here as, as the best presidential choice, but this this is definitely a dynamic that I think we need to understand, and it's revealing a dynamic that you and I need to take to heart. Let, let's make that clear here. Uh, the, and this is actually not the most breaking of news, but you might have seen a few days ago, Politico uh, reported on some new polling. And you know, Ed and I, we love Politico. It's the guilty pleasure. We read it. I know, we, we all know there are a bunch of lefties, it comes from a left-wing bent, but there's a lot of really interesting insider stuff, uh, and, and Politico was highlighting a very interesting opportunity that RFK Jr. has uh, put, to, put to potentially, pardon me, I'm, I'm just excited, we're getting all over, like stumbling all over the words here, because I'm excited about this, it's really interesting when you start to look at it, uh, a late uh, Quinnipiac poll shows that RFK Jr. may actually have the opportunity that he has expressed he'd like to potentially spoil the 2024 presidential contest. Spoil in quotes, that word being his. Um, A a Quinnipiac poll from just a few days ago shows him with, uh, hypothetically, 22% support in a three-way race between him and President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. Now, that's, that's really big. This is the first time in a long time we've had an outsider, an independent, who polls that high. Now, the reality of what we would see, you know, we, we talk about it quite a bit here on the Pro-America Report, polls aren't trustworthy. And again, this is a sampling of, what, 1,600 people? Uh, there is definitely a science to it, and most people get it wrong, <laughs> that's for sure. But it definitely shows trends. Even if the numbers uh, aren't trusted or uh, are trustworthy, you can see some very interesting trends. Well, this is huge. This is a massive boost Uh, a massive trend line upward for an independent for the first time in a long time. And I think what it shows is the same thing we saw as people gravitated toward Donald Trump in 2016. This outsider air, someone who comes in who's not beholden to the system, who's not looking to get rich off of the system, gain their power and influence from the system, that is attractive to people. And you know what? I think that that's how it ought to be. And and this leads me to a great article I'm going to post in the the, uh, comments here. I'll, I'll make sure and link to the Politico Uh, Write up where they've got a little bit more about the Just the straight up numbers from the Quinnipiac poll But uh, good friends of the program uh, Friends of the program, plural I should say Liberty Sentinel, I'm sure you all know Alex Newman actually was just on the program with Ed A little while ago But uh, over at Liberty Sentinel, one of the authors there uh, With uh, Mr. Alex Newman uh, Andrew Muller who you've uh, probably heard on this program before as well, uh, and if any of you are, are followers of, of ours as well here and, and follow the unauthorized caucus live stream I do every Thursday, you would have seen Andrew quite a bit. He was a regular co-host with me for a number of months. Uh, Andrew put out a great uh, piece that I'm going to link here because you should read. It really does remind Americans, not not to go and vote for RFK Jr., but that this, this intrigue around RFK Jr. and this push to go for someone outside of the system, this really does uh, pull to our founding fathers, this pulls to the the purely American uh, spirit that lives inside of each of us, to be owing our allegiance only to the Constitution and never to a party platform above it. To owe our allegiance and our, um, our American identity to pursuing the truth and pursuing good policy that works, uh, that keeps people free and also respects the individual rights of man that uh, keeps our economy moving and gives people equal opportunity but not equal uh, outcome. These principles are what we ought to pursue above all else and the system the powers that be again you can call it whatever you want the deep state the establishment like Phyllis called them the king makers these people have really sectioned us off into this hyper divided hyper partisan blind loyalty to one team or the other when it really shouldn't be about these teams what it should be about is America and the Constitution about right and wrong and about truth and that should be our ultimate goal I think that this uh, this polling data on RFK Jr. shows that the American public is hungry and ready for that again. I think we saw a lot of that in 2016 as people gravitated toward the campaign and candidacy of Donald Trump. I think we're seeing it again. I believe that this is the moment that American conservatives should seize and understand. It is time to return to freedom, return to the Constitution, uh, and to let go of this atrocious political partisanship, partisanship for the sake of partisanship, hyper partisanship, uh, and remove that as our end goal and put back in place a loyalty to the Constitution, to the principles and the history that made this country great. That is, I believe, uh, the path that we are headed down uh, in 2024 if we are wise and if we seize the moment. So uh, that's what you need to know. RFK Jr.'s polling shows that America is ready for the Constitution again. And and again, this is doesn't have anything to do necessarily with RFK himself and his policy positions, but that outsider, I, uh, hear me correctly, that that streak of looking for an outsider, looking for someone who is not beholden to the system, who does not play in to this hyperpartisan demand for red versus blue, Republican versus Democrat, which you and I recognize comes down to the uniparty, this, this group of people who will hold on to their own power above anything else. We must hold on to the Constitution above anything else. It is time for that. It is time to move that direction, I pray that you and I are given the opportunities to use all of our influence and all of our sphere with friends and family and coworkers to get people to understand the gravity of this situation and the potential opportunity we have across the board in every election uh, throughout 2023 and 2024 as we move into this big season. It is important and we must move that way with all speed. Uh, So that's what you need to know. The opportunity is here. It's time to go. Uh, but we'll we'll stop there. we got to get on to a couple of great interviews here, and then I'll be back. We'll wrap up the show here at the end. Appreciate you being with us today. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com, and we will see you here at the Pro America Report on the other side of the break. Talk to you in just a moment.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, I was having a back and forth uh, with a friend of mine about this book, um, America's Last Stand. Will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? It's Bombardier Books, uh, which I love those guys. They publish a lot of great books. And, and uh, Drew Thomas Allen is the author. And he himself is a professional communicator, which means he's helped a lot of other people get uh, their voices out there. and get their voices up. And in this case, um, he's uh, put put himself out there. He also hosts his own podcast. So uh, welcome, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. It's it's always I live in the communist state of California. So for me,
3: it's an honor, privilege, <laughs> pleasure to start my day, you know, three hours behind East Coast
1: with a patriot. There you go. Well, you're nice to say that. Thank you. So first of all, as a as a professional communicator, as somebody whose job is to, to translate sometimes you know, well, not done some a good amount of times what somebody's saying here and saying, OK, good. You know, and in fact, I think I noticed that some of the I love some of the people I'm trying to find my notes again. Uh, yeah. Dershowitz and. And uh, Naomi Wolf, you, you know, you got these people that are they have something to say, but you got a translator. You got to get them to say it in a way that people hear it. And and what, I, what I mean about that, though, is do people understand they, they, they feel what's at stake? OK, it's a lot at stake. But how do you translate that into what it means to how it means to vote and what it means to vote?
3: Well, you've got to put it in perspective in terms of history, I think, in the country, because when you're living in the present, you know, when we look back and read a history book, things seem more serious to us today than perhaps even at the time. So, for example, George Washington, the revolutionaries, the the founding fathers, yeah, they certainly understood what was at stake to some extent, but they were just living their lives and pursuing an objective, right? They didn't have hindsight. They didn't know. They just had faith that it was going to work out. Um, So, when we read a history book, we think, oh my gosh, like this was at stake. You know, when you're in the present, you don't know sometimes. And when I'm trying to explain to people is 2024 is the third really great battle this country's faced you know you have the American Revolution the patriots mm-hmm. of 76 you have the Civil War 1861 and we are the patriots of 24 and and our country is at stake in a way that it hasn't been since truly the Civil War that's how serious it is um so we need to acknowledge that and understand it. I mean, what the Democrats are doing is unprecedented. So look, I go through this book and I try to explain, you know, for example, Robert E. Lee, right, who was totally, absolutely a traitor by definition, right? He led the Confederate Army. He, you know, was, was before a grand jury found him guilty of treason, but they ended up wiping the charges away and getting rid of them in the, in the interest of, Keeping the nation together. So even Robert E. Lee, you know, uh, wasn't put in prison for treason, but they want to put Trump in jail. Uh, for nothing. I mean, made up, trumped up charges, truthfully. So, you know, Bill Clinton committed perjury. He actually did commit uh, a crime. And, uh, you know, special prosecutor just said, ah, OK, just pay a fine. I'm not going to actually do it. Right. So e- e- this is huge. And it's the end of free and fair elections. So we have to understand that component. And we have to rally uh, around one another. We have to. There are two ways to look at this, Ed. One is to say, oh, woe is me. This really sucks. We're going through this situation in America. The other is to say, thank God, literally, that I'm here to defend the country. Because I believe in myself. I believe in my friends. I believe in my capability. And I'm a patriot and love this country. And now it's my time to lean on the shoulders to resurrect the memories and legacies of George Washington, of Abraham Lincoln, of the great greatest generation. And now it's our turn to stand firm so that our posterity can look back on what we did here and, and gain strength instead of saying, so- hey, man, these guys suck.
1: So, um, our, our guest is, uh, Drew Thomas Allen and, uh, his book, which is available everywhere. You get books from Bombardier Press, America's Last Stand. Will vote? Will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? Um, uh, and only out about a week or a little bit, uh, a little bit more than a week and a few days. Uh, by the way, on Twitter, at Drew Thomas Allen, uh, good Twitter feed or X feed, uh, Drew Thomas a- Allen, A L L E N. Um, but so, uh, but, uh, pulling back on that now and say this. It, you know you're good at this. You're a professional, you know, PR communication guy. You, but a lot of people, it, you you know, you mentioned it. a lot of people. You defend Trump. You, you it's now you're not just going to get uh, Aunt Sally mad at you, which is what happened to me over the weekend. It wasn't Aunt Sally, but it's Mary Lou, um, my my dad's cousin. I mean, the lunatic and just uh, like you know, Trump is evil. And I'm like, what what part of it is evil? Explain to me. Can't do it. Just like just frothed up, you know, TDS. But that that's bad enough at a nice party. It's much worse when you find yourself losing your job or or getting indicted or you go to the rally on January 6th and you find yourself jammed up. Uh, You know, uh, it feels like the cost is higher, let alone, by the way. I had somebody tell me this. He wanted to run for office. And he said it's not worth the trouble because the the people that are nasty are not the hard right. It's the left and the moderates and that are just lunatics. And the cost is high, Drew
3: it it is very high i certainly understand that and again i would say you know at least uh, you know you 're not being asked to run into uh, uh you know gunfire like the American revolutionaries or like you know the the Union army uh, in the civil war you know you 're being asked in many cases uh to have people say bad things about you or be mean and you know we we 've kind of become soft and weak we've we 've enjoyed all this prosperity and that 's natural but now it 's time to wake up and and grow a backbone and understand what 's at stake and not be afraid of that stuff you know uh, we 're being asked to do far less than our ancestors did. And uh, the stakes are the same, though, the the, the country. And, you know, this book, you know, I mean, in in many ways, it's kind of a a symphony. You know, I address all these things and build to the very end the conclusion because you're right. I mean, there are people that would vote for Biden or some other Democrat because they have TDS and they just they think that, you know, uh, even though they understand the country's going to hell, they think that Biden is a better person. And that's not true. So I have a chapter on but his mean tweets basically Basically, the reality is, if you look at truth, uh, most of what has been said about Trump is not true at all. And that which is true pales in comparison to the loathsome reality of the corruption, amorality of basically any Democrat, but certainly Joe Biden or someone else to plug in their last minute if he can't make it across the finish line. And, and, you know, look, I I tell people to do this, look. Reagan looked into the camera when he did his one and only debate with Jimmy Carter, and he asked what famous question, are you better off today than you were four years ago? And the answer, of course, was no. And he won in a resounding landslide. Now, look, this is unique because we lived under the Trump presidency and we've lived under the Biden presidency. Ask yourself, are you better off under Biden than you were under Trump? No American can objectively say that they're better off under the Biden years than they were under the Trump years. And that alone should be the gold standard. So when it comes down to Trump versus Biden or Trump versus someone who they plug in at the last minute, it should be the easiest trigger to pull ever for uh, Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, it, come on.
1: Come uh, on, we're, man. We're, we're, come on, man. There you go. We're the uh, uh, Drew Thomas Allen is our guest. America's last stand is his book from Bombardier Press. Um, the uh, You said it, so I want to ask you as an observer this. Uh, wh- what do they do to get rid of Biden? I mean, they got to get rid of him, right? The Democrats have to. The the ruling class has to get rid of Joe Biden because if they leave him there, he's going to lose to Trump. And I guess they could get rid of Biden or they could get rid of Trump. Either one of those is because they can't allow Trump to get president again. They'd be afraid of that.
3: Yeah, look, I mean, the Democrats have certain plans. Uh, nothing's done on accident by them, but they also can't predict the future. So they hope they can pull Donald Trump off the ballot in Colorado and other states. They hope they can put him in jail. They hope they can disqualify him. But they're trying to do that in, in court right now with this uh, corrupt uh, justice system. Um, so that's that's one effort. But you're right. I mean, we're seeing stories now of the left wing media acknowledging that Trump is beating Biden handily, even in the swing states. Right. And there's, that's no accident because they they really need – I think that what a lot of Democrats are hoping and want to start pressuring is they want Joe Biden to just say himself I- – I- I'm not going to run. It's not I, I, I did. I did my duty for my country. And now I'm going to hand it off to someone else. And, right. you know, he'll 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 be sacrificing for the country. Right. Uh, but <laughs> it's also hard. I mean, I, I, I people have been speculating, oh, it's going to be Michelle Obama or whatever. I, I don't think the Democrats ideally the Democrats would still like to run Biden if they could right. and just, you know, do like they did last time, just get him in there and then deal with it once he's he's in office. And he's a great uh, vessel because he's he's a puppet. You know, I mean, he's not there mentally or anything else. So you have the I mean, it's Obama's. Third term. I've written about that on American greatness and elsewhere forever. But, um, but you know, it's just it, to, to, to look at your life right now and the state of the world. You have to be eager to vote for your own economic suicide and national suicide by voting for a Democrat again.
1: Yeah. Well, I think uh there's a lot that you said there that I think uh sounds uh, sounds right but I I especially encourage uh, uh, you in this uh effort America's last stand uh Drew Thomas Allen has been our guest I'm out of time unfortunately you know the the uh drill uh, thank you uh for coming on and thank you for the book and especially for challenging people to uh get motivated and understand that I I think that's very clear clarifying you know, the American Revolution, the Civil War and this election, the pivot moments in American history. Um, so um, I'll put it all up on social media. Everybody will take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Very interested to speak to our next guest, uh, Steve Gorham. Uh, As I often say, Steve, uh, one of the key things in... In getting smart uh, conversations going, is if you can talk to an engineer. And Steve uh, himself is a, an electrical engineer, also uh, at MBA, all in Illinois, where our, our uh, founder, of the late Phyllis Schlaflie, was from, of course. And uh, and he is an author also. He's written a number of books. Uh, green breakdown: the coming renewable energy failure is the one that jumps out at me. But also um, a more, even more recent, outside the green box: rethinking sustainable development. So, uh, welcome, uh, Steve Gorham. How are you, sir?
0: Ed, great to join you. Hey, one correction, Green Breakdown is the latest. It was just out this 1st. Sorry, I see it now.
1: Yep. Written down. Thank no, you. Okay. Thank, thank you for catching that. And um, he's also, by the way, Steve's also the executive director of the Climate Science Coalition of America, which is an association, non-political, non nonpartisan of scientists, engineers and uh, citizens trying dedicated to informing Americans about the reality of what's going on. So, first of all, I did see, I think, a, a, a tweet of yours. There is zero chance of net zero happening by 2050. And you wrote a piece on that in the Daily Caller. Um, do the people that are pushing this, uh, do they know that? Is this a political game or are are, are there a bunch of people that really think they're going to do this by 2050?
0: Well, it's it's a little bit fuzzy on all of that. Um, you know, the leaders, uh, what we have right now is we have about uh, uh, one seventh of the world, the wealthy nations of the world. United States, Europe, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, and a few others that are pushing for net zero by 2050. Right. And they're calling for an energy transition. We should get rid of wind. I'm sorry, we should get rid of uh, coal, natural gas, and oil and replace those with wind, solar, biofuels. And uh, this is, you know, it's kind of framed as a reach-out goal, but it's it's beyond reach-out. It's it's more like a wish and a prayer. It's not going to happen uh, global use of, uh, hydrocarbons has been rising for many, many years. It's going to continue to do so because we have many areas of the world that, that just are, are still poor and needs to need to advance their economies. And in addition, wind, solar, and biofuels just cannot, uh, do things like power, our modern society, uh, power, our heavy industry, uh, very effectively. So this is going to break down and, um, uh, what we're going to get as, as we get closer and closer to trying this green transition is a bunch of problems for people. These are higher energy prices, electricity blackouts, less freedom because they want to take away your gasoline car and your gas stove. And we're also going to get transnational energy shocks like Europe has had in the last two years, the first, the first green energy shock of the world. Uh, people are going to demand a return to low-cost, reliable energy and and uh, and step back from this this uh, net zero plan
1: uh, our guest is uh steve gorham and, and i mentioned a twitter at steve gorham on twitter is his twitter feed so easy enough uh straightforward on x um do you steve do you think um do you think the public you know and you mentioned one of your um efforts is a non-partisan you know a non-political like just trying to get people to understand do you people do, do people i think we turned the corner on um on the brokenness of this green the fakeness of this green effort or even the corruption of it um because it feels like we have i'm not i'm not saying we we're we've corrected completely but it seems like some of the woke stuff uh in general some some of the um even some of the me too stuff where it's was so far uh over the top but i, I but you know the, this green thing is such a scam um, the, the hoax, as I tell people all the time, the hoax is not about the science of what the climate's doing. The hoax is about what these people are telling us they'll do to fix it. They, they don't know. And in fact, they're just transferring wealth all over the place. But, to, you know, you, you had Greta uh, Thornberg, I never pronounced her last name right. You had all these people, at the the, the um, um, Hollywood folks are into the green thing. It's kind of easy to easier to hug a tree than, than realize that your neighbor can't afford to fill their car with gas. So but have we turned the corner on this? green stuff, too? Or are we still slogging and and, and, uh, and fighting against the, uh, the the forces here?
0: I think we're still slogging. I think we still have 180, uh, 180 heads of state of the nations of the world that, wow. that uh, say humans are causing dangerous climate change. Uh, the news media, most of the Fortune 500 companies are, are leading universities, are all promoting this. But we are seeing signs of cracks, uh, as I mentioned, I think I mentioned Europe uh, just went through a transnational energy uh, crisis, and they're still in in the uh, aftermath of that. Um, Electric vehicles have hit a speed bump. Um, uh, Inventories are way up. Uh, um, uh, We're not selling cars. Uh, The car manufacturers are losing losing a lot of money. And uh, uh, we've got through the early adopter phase of EVs, and now the regular population really isn't interested in many cases so we're starting to see this breakdown. We have had electricity blackouts in, in Texas and California. Uh, we had a blackout in Texas in, in February of 2021. Uh, power was off for 72 hours to four and a half million people. Wow. And somewhere between 250 and 700 people died during that event, If, if depending on who you, you, uh, you talk to. And that's an event that's bigger than, than a major hurricane, Uh, So we do have these these. uh, And and by the way, the more wind and solar and intermittent renewables we put into place, the greater the chance of these blackouts. So uh, we're starting to see cracks in all of this. And uh, but it's still going to take quite a long time, I think, for the world to step back.
1: Uh, again, our our guest is uh, Steve Gorham, a scientist, en- electrical engineer, and uh, someone who's come at this with, I think, um, the approach that makes the most sense to me. Um, uh, Steve, when you um, when we talk to voters about dissatisfaction with the economy, to me, the greatest drag on the economy is our leadership in this country being unwilling to dramatically lower energy costs because of this green stuff, because of the, the commitment to it and the, the, you know, the inflation reduction act included hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of wealth transfer to failing industries, industries that at least aren't going to succeed unless you keep paying for them and we can't afford to. Um, but. Again, um, you go out to the regular person, they think, oh, yeah, there's really, you know, we're going to have electric cars. Isn't it working out great? We're going to have, uh, you know, uh, solar is, is spreading. And they, I, I don't know if they understand it, that the w- the one way to solve inflation, it, and I think it's the only way, actually, is to have dr- dramatically increase uh, energy and lower costs.
0: Well, I think you're right. Energy is a big part of, of costs. I don't think the average citizen realizes that. Yet that a lot of this is because of green. Right. Um, And and there are vast amounts of money going into this. You're right. The uh, during the Obama administration, we were spending about 15 billion dollars a year on subsidies from the federal government for wind, solar and biofuels under President Trump. That went down to about eight billion a year. But now it's up to uh, 15 to 17 billion. And the Inflation Reduction Act is boosting that to 40 to 50 billion dollars a year. Wow. For all these projects, uh there's a there's a battle going on in in Iowa, North and South Dakota, Illinois for carbon dioxide pipelines which nobody needs. Nobody would build these things without billions in federal subsidies. And the so far the uh the citizens there have been successful in opposing them. We have these hydrogen centers that are going in all over the country. Hydrogen is is very very difficult to handle, very expensive to produce if unless you produce it with natural gas and they don't want that. Right. Uh, so the, there's still vast amounts of money uh, going forward on this. And uh, we have literally millions of people doing things that, that in my mind, are not valuable. They're not productive. I mean, if you're out there trying to build carbon dioxide pipelines, that that is no benefit uh, to the planet. It's not going to keep the oceans from rising. Uh, it's just a waste of activity. And, and there's a lot of that going on. So we need to get back to uh, sensible energy sources, uh, which will lower costs for everybody. Uh, by the way, these, these uh, prices are going up. The best example is California. California right, now right. has the, the uh, second highest electricity rates in the country be- behind Hawaii, wow. uh, double, double any other western state. Uh, they passed mm-hmm. up New England in the last year or two. And those are going to go much, much higher, those rates, because they keep pushing all of these green technologies Hmm. And wherever that is being done, the prices are going up very fast. Uh, Steve Gorham, um, I'm out of time,
1: unfortunately. His book is Green Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy Failure, uh, out in uh, just uh, uh, August. You can get it anywhere. I'm looking. I having to look on Amazon. Um, And uh, Green Breakdown, The Coming Renewable Energy uh, uh, Failure uh, from New Lennox Books. I like to mention the publishers. So uh, thank you, Steve, for coming on. We'll have you on again. We'll keep an eye on these issues. And I will post over on social media also uh, your recent column on the net zero movement. So uh, we'll take a break, everybody. and We'll be right back. Thank you, Ed. Thank you. Uh, we'll take a break, Steve. Uh, thank you, Steve. Sorry. We'll take a break, everybody, and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment.
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Kids are back in
1: school now, but schools are not back to excellence. Our students lag far behind the rest of the world in basic learning, including a dismal ranking in the bottom third in math skills among industrial nations with whom we compete. Math is a casualty of the leftist takeover of education, which makes diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI, more important than teaching basic skills. When schools postpone algebra to the ninth grade, many students never complete the basic math they need for a STEM-related job. In their mindless push for greater diversity, New York Democrats recently dropped the words math and science from the name of their once elite math and science exploratory school in Brooklyn. Test scores at that middle school have plummeted from more than 95% of seventh graders passing the math exams a half decade ago, to merely 69% passing the test last year. The school used to select students based on academic performance, thereby giving families an incentive to compete for admission. But under the DEI approach imposed by New York's Democrat politicians, the renamed Exploratory School now uses a lottery to select its students, and 52% of accepted students must come from unstable, impoverished, or non-English-speaking families. Math is one of the biggest casualties in this. The left disliked how some groups do better at math, particularly advanced math, and this conflicts with the DEI political agenda. Math competitions are usually won by boys, for example, so prizes and awards are not inclusive, they say. The leftist solution is to eliminate honors and awards, lumping all the kids together in one dumbed-down math program, and the end result is less achievement. We must allow our nation's students to have goals worth striving toward, which will make them not only better students, but better citizens as well. In an increasingly STEM-dominated world, creating opportunities in math and science is especially critical.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The liberal agenda is corrupting classrooms in colleges and schools across the country. If you're a parent, teacher, or administrator who really cares about our children, we promise to keep you informed at phyllisschlafly.com. And let us hear from you at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
2: Hey, welcome back to the Pro America Report. This is Ryan Height. We are here to wrap up the show today. The Pro America Report, uh, yet again, filling in for Mr. Ed Martin. I-, I wanted to come back around here and give us uh, not so much just a wrap up, but even a what you need to do. Uh, put a pin on what we started here at the beginning of the show with the what you need to know. We were talking about RFK Junior.'s latest poll numbers and what that means for the dynamics of our two party system, the dynamics of the insiders of American politics, we the people versus we the powerful, and. I I tell you what. Here's here's what I want you to do, and I'm gonna make this uh, I'm gonna make this promise uh, here on air with you. I want you to join me. It's not something I'm asking you to do that I'm not going to. I'm doing it myself, and I know that I had the uh, microphone a couple of times last week. I had the opportunity to speak to you, and I said something very similar. But I'm gonna build on those on this idea of educating yourself, uh, like we talked about in the beginning here. It's not so much about RFK Jr. and him being the great uh, choice for president or something like that, but to. Understand understand what poll numbers mean first of all in general uh, as a small sampling not so much a scientific fact uh, but then to see the trends to understand what that means uh, at this moment in American election history uh, to see where the 2016 election of Donald Trump fit in and where we are now what we can do about it this is a time to not just educate ourselves but other people so let me tell you something we need to start study groups again that's what i want you to do that's what i'm going to do that's what we need to do. Uh, what you need to do is start a study group. Find a study group. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I was actually, this is <laughs> from making a little bit of a trash and a recycling run around our office here. I was moving one closet and putting a few things away into a different one. And I ran across a box of uh, a box of materials labeled study group. So I opened it, of course, where the, the Phyllis Schlafly archives here. We've got archives stuff all over and trying to always put things in order, make it usable and useful. And it reminded me that there was a very a strong part of uh, the last several years of Phyllis Schlafly's work, where she encouraged people uh, to have study groups in their home, to look at issues, to look at books, to look at studies and, and uh, papers and uh, periodicals and news, and to discuss intelligently what these things meant, these current events headlines, what it meant in a historical perspective, in a philosophical and a spiritual perspective. Uh, this was something that she encouraged people to do, and, and not Just on their own and then go and have these Conversations loosely with family and friends Form something Formal uh, put together an actual group that has a meeting time, like a book club. Uh, this ha- We have a time that we meet. It is set aside and reserved. There is homework that we've got in between each thing. We add people to it. There's a serious uh, process to get in because we want folks who are interested in having these discussions. I-, I think that it's time that Americans started study groups again, because if we're going to take on the mantle of being a citizen, the duties, the responsibilities, the privileges that come with that, to go and be the government, we the people, that give our consent to be governed, that choose our representatives to go and do these things, that actually choose ourselves on ballot issues and initiatives, uh, some of the laws and the rules and regulations that govern this great republic. It is time for us to take seriously our responsibility of being educated first, to then go and take action, grassroots action, and make these things happen. So I want to encourage you, it's time for us to start study groups again. It's time for us to put some formality to the conversations that we're having. This, this stuff that we talk about here on the Pro-America Report, the things, the conversations you're having uh, with family and friends and co-workers. If you join us on Thursdays, uh, Mason and I, for our uh, live stream, the Unauthorized Caucus, these are good conversations. These are good topics. But it is time for us to take it to the next level. So that's what I think we need to do. And and, and this isn't the what you need to do. This is the what we need to do. I'm including me in this because it's, a, it's up to all of us, if we are going to seriously assume the mantle uh, and the responsibility of American citizen, a voter, an educated voter that exercises our privileges and rights and responsibilities effectively and correctly to remove the issues that we have in our nation and move America back to a place of freedom and liberty, back to the place of the traditional American values uh, of limited government, it. Pardon me, and economic opportunity, not uh, outcomes that we're trying to hand out to people. Uh, It is time for us to take that responsibility seriously at the very beginning and to educate ourselves. So start a study group. Pick a book, pick a magazine, a publication, and uh, 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 something special from the Epic Times, or uh, uh, some special report from the New American Magazine, or from Liberty Sentinel, who we talked about at the beginning. Our good friend Alex Newman and his folks over there, Andrew and the rest. Pick something worthwhile. And seek out people who are talking about good resources and form a study group around it so that we can become educated, not just on these current issues that face us, but on the history uh, that we've come from, on the history of ideas as they've been put into the public policy arena, the history of ideas as they have been philosophically and practically considered, uh, the history of political leanings uh, and this party system itself. Go and do a study group on uh, the uh, a choice, not an echo, the process by which our presidents have been elected or potentially selected uh, in the 20th century and moving in here to the 21st. It's time for us to get serious and make formal this process of educating ourselves and becoming a citizenry that is armed with information and armed in readiness to defend our values, to return our nation uh, to the values that we once governed ourselves by. It is time. So, would you do that with me? That's what we need to do. Form a study group. Make it serious. Make it uh, stable. Make it formal. And we need to get to work, folks. We really do. So, uh, I'm going to leave you there. That's, that's, my, that's my what we need to do uh, this week. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for being here with me today. I'm glad I could join you for a couple of great guests. Thank you to Ed for leading this show really well and always being a good source of that information. Uh, thank you to Mason, uh, my co-producer who always keeps the trains running with me on time, getting good guests and getting all this stuff produced and out. And thank you to you for being a part of this, for listening, for caring about America, for wanting to be involved, and for being here with us each and every day. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. Get all the resources and the audio of this after. Share it with a friend. Start the conversation. And we will see you back here tomorrow on the Pro America Report. We'll talk to you later, everyone.